Hello and welcome to Wilson and Windsor's Libertadores podcast. This week on the pod, we discussed all the quarterfinal matchups and, of course, what led into the semi finals, which includes the Super Classico between River Plate and Boca Juniors. We were hosted tonight by Mr. Ollie Wilson, as always. Ollie, yeah, clap him in, clap him in, ladies and gentlemen, clap him in, clap him. Thank Lots. you very much, Oli, for providing the... So many ladies clapping for, for Oli. What happened? This is, this is all lies. Don't worry. Uh, last night, though, in the Bachelor Pad in Buenos Aires, it's a nice way to go out recording the end of the quarterfinal podcast before flying back to the UK. I'm going to be sad to see this place go. You know what? Today it hit me, actually, that I'm kind of... It was like, oh, I'm so ready to get back to London. I really want to get back to London. London in my head. And then I was just like today, I was like... I'm going to miss this place, you know. Yeah, maybe there's a bit of Buenos Aires uh, blood in me, you know, from 10 generations back. I don't know. We were also joined by the Globetrotter, Mr. Nico. I don't know your surname, Nico. But I hope one day we're close enough that I will remember it. What is it? Pauli. Pauli. Okay. Uh, joined by Nico, who discussed all things Boca as a Boca uh, season ticket holder and member, uh, provided a valuable insight into the into Boca Juniors. Nico, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, I'm, I'm really glad this time you didn't introduce me like as an arrogant <laughs> Boca Juniors supporter. We'll do that later. <laughs> the the okay. content speaks for itself, I think, this week, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, well, we discussed the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and now the night is young in Buenos Aires. It's only 8.30, so we're off into deep, dark, Palermo. <laughs> okay, enjoy the pod. on a Libertadores night, there are few, if any, more impressive sights and sounds in South American club football. It's two against one. Gabriel Barbosa just waiting for the pass. Edge Nielsen waiting to commit. Flag stays down. He was always going to make an impact. Gabby Gold. And the Brazilians are well and truly in the driving seat now. And Flamengo goes through to the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores with a one-all tour on the night, 3-1 on aggregate. Even when the draw was made, for the because the draw was made so you could see the path to the final, it felt was. it felt inevitable. And uh, yeah. yeah, and here we are. Uh, Let's talk about Boca because they did all the hard work in Quito. We talked a lot about altitude and how it was going to be difficult. It wasn't. Boca went there and won 3-0. And then you were at La Bombonera, Nico. And it was kind of the game you'd expect, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely Alfaro put uh, like the best lineup. So, so uh, mostly during the week, like the was like a big... Uh, clash we can say like between two parts of the supporters they say it's like okay we should keep our best team on the bench like it means like don't don't using them to 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 play against the liga and the other section says like no we we should we have to guarantee to to pass this this stage of the libertadores because uh, really uh, the game we, against river yes yeah, it's, it's so important because really is is after the December in Madrid the game against River, uh, it, we we didn't play again with them so it's like the 
still the heart is open for uh, the, the, the that scarf is still open for us. You're so, referring to the the Superliga game the that Super will take Liga, place, yeah, yeah at the weekend. The, the, this this weekend this Sunday. So, uh, but I think Alfaro make like a correct decision. No, now is is. Now we think because we lose uh, Juan Chope and Salvio for injuries, but uh, really we our first and the most important uh, objective, like target of this uh, of this year, is uh, to reach at least the final of the Libertadores to be in Santiago 2019. I guess Sunday's game in the league is like the battle. You're okay to lose that battle, but you win the war, which is winning the Libertadores at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Our game, well, now because we we pass this this stage of the of the of the tournament, but our our really goal is just to beat River Plate, no? And even when they already start, when we already pass the group and River Plate also pass the group, our objective was River Plate, no? And we everybody in the street and the journalists, everybody was talking about. Uh, if when Boca and River gonna cross again, and that was this moment. Now the semi-final. The game itself against Liga was nil-nil at La Bombonera. It was kind of a boring game. Not too much happened. Mm-hmm. It's me and Oli were talking about how it's Alfaro is a defensive coach, right? He has a defensive mindset, which yeah. you can win the Libertadores like this, of course. Yeah. But he he suits when the pressure's not on him, right? Like when you went to Quito, it was okay to sit back and play on the counter attack. But when he plays at La Bombonera and you go like every week, are people around you saying, come on, what, what do we do? We've just got Abila who's, he works really hard and actually he's in really good form at the moment, but he's not a really exciting player and now Zarate is injured, mm-hmm. Tevez played well, but at La Bombonera, do the home fans think, this isn't Boca, this is too defensive? Is. Or, or is it just accepted that it's okay? No, no, no. I, 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 well, I've been in the stadium and really the people around all around me we were really pushing so much just to to get you know like the identity of Boca Junior is to win ev- anytime everywhere you know like doesn't matter if you are a local or if you are a visitor you have to to win and against Real Madrid Barcelona uh, Patronato um, any team for different leagues is doesn't matter who is who is in front of us so and in this stage what's happened something pretty similar because uh, we we beat Liga 3-0 really is a, such a great uh, result especially when we play as a visitor in, in Liga and uh, in Ecuador in Quito but really we, we expected more really I, I, I was uh, expecting at least if we if we score three goals in the in the high altitude no which one is in Quito in the in the stadium of uh, of Liga I, I thought in at least in, in our stadium, we can beat them like two or three goals of this of difference. So you're dis- disappointed, fans were frustrated with the performance then in midweek, despite it, the hard work had already been done. I mean, I think we said this a number of times on the highlight show, the, the job was already over. There was no need to go and chase the game and chase a keto side and, and stick a knife in a, of a wounded animal that's already bleeding out, if you will. Yeah, to, to, no, totally agree. This is a kind of have two faces, you know. Like in the one terms, we say like, okay, we passed the group, we we passed that stage, we beat three nil uh, them in the in in Liga Stadium, and now okay, we didn't score, but 
we pass, okay. We we expecting always more for our team because really, if you check the our lineup for the players we have, really always we expect more. And really, is is what I mentioned in the beginning is of this part of the comment. Like, is our identity is to win any game, any match. It doesn't matter where we're playing or against any team we're playing. You know, like. Uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Patronato, or Ferro, or River, we, we should win every game. This is our identity. So that's the reason it's a little frustrating, but the main objective was to pass this stage, and we did. And, we did. and it doesn't matter then how you do getting past the stages, surely. You can be frustrated, but yeah. results are results, winning's winning, and if you win the remaining three games in the competition, no one's going to care how it's done. Don't even need to win the, you don't even need to win another game. You can go through on penalties and win the whole thing exactly. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I just had two questions. One is that you signed De Rossi. He didn't come, like I know he's 36 years old, he didn't come to sit on the bench, right? Mm -hmm. And even you're 3-0 up, and he only played like the last 5-10 minutes. So I know he's, he's there to be part of the squad and everyone's happy that De Rossi's there, but in a side, and Alfaro wants to play like 5 in midfield pretty much, and De Rossi's still not in the starting lineup, in your best starting lineup. Do you think that's... It's a bit surprising. Or if I was De Rossi, I'd be like, hang on, I'd come to Boca. I'd basically come to play in the Libertadores. And I get five minutes at the end of a tie when we're already 3-0 up. Like, you know, Capaldo, McAllister, everyone is in front of me. What do you think De Rossi thinks about that? No, I think De Rossi, he knows which limits he has. No, he, he's not like... A, 23 years old player who came from Barcelona <laughs> to play in Boca Juniors. But he didn't no? come to sit on the bench. No, no, but I think he he understood perfectly which one are his limitations. No, he has. Uh, I I think um, uh, he's he's uh, managed this situation really well. Uh, well, for example, as as long as the the results going together going in the same. In the same way, like uh, if we start to lose and we disqualify for Libertadores, we lost against River Plate, for example, for sure. And he's still on the bench, for sure he's going to start to say like, dude, what happened here? You know, I came from Rome. I know it's like my last moments as a football, professional football player, but but really I, I expected to play a little more, you know. But I think the situation is, is running with completely harmony in these moments, you know, like the, the people is very happy with him, you know, he, he received like a very warm welcome for all of us. He played a couple of games and really the, the, when he played the first game against Almagro, he scored, so yeah. really he did a very good performance. Then he played, well, also over the Rossi play the last Sunday against... Um, Ah, who it was again? Banfield. Banfield, sorry. And who's the Boca fan here? Uh, sorry. Who is the Boca fan? Uh, well, sorry. This <laughs> time you're been in away. He's been away, man. You gotta let him. He's probably jet lagged. He goes to Sorry, sorry. So many, so many miles in mm. in. in uh, I travel in this these last two weeks, so I'm a little jet lag effect sure. still on my mind in my brain. So, um, but. Um, but they, and and he he played the Sunday, so sometimes you know like probably Alfaro was expecting to give a little rest, and he was thinking also to to the first lineup, which one also play in in Liga, who did a very good perf who did who this team did a very good performance against Liga. So I think that's the reason he keep the same line. It's uh, just kind of funny how Alfaro. people said the reason why 
he's coming here isn't just to collect a paycheck, it's to play and be a part of this team. Yet it may end up that Bocker have found a system that works without him quite nicely at the moment. He's going to end up sitting and getting a paycheck and not really playing much anyway. He could have gone to China and earned 10 times the money. It, it's also like... I wonder if Alfaro wants to play Reynoso as part of a five-man midfield. So even Zarate, who's like your top scorer in the Libertadores, and he's in a, you know, he's a really, he's a great player playing just off Avila. I think maybe in the Super Classico semi-final he won't play Zarate. Maybe he'll play the, he'll play, uh, you know, the five in midfield and uh, see what happens. But Avila, we were talking last week a little bit because he did so well in in, in Ecuador uh, when Boca won that three 0 He's a player who kind of people take the piss out of a little bit, yeah. I've seen even around Argentine media, people kind of think he's a joke figure, but he's a, he's a player that Alfaro, he fits in this Alfaro style, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much because, well, Alfaro, um, he was the manager, well, he was the coach in Huracan when he, uh, he has uh, him in, in, well, in Huracan lineup and the, the Huracan's team. So he knows him very, very much, you know, like uh, that's the reason he give like this, this great, uh, um, this opportunity, you know, to be honest, is not like the kind of player for my taste, you know, no, it's not like the kind of player really I, I, is, is the style of, or the number, the striker we have, like, I, I expected like to do something incredible, you know. Like I, I don't expect too much. Not people fall in love with football, but you know. Totally, yeah. But he's Because yeah, well, <laughs> I I'm not very agree with that too. Sorry, it's like uh, it's it's a guy who is sometimes in the correct moment and the correct place, you know. Like because uh, um, uh, the the goal against um, uh, the, the Liga de Quito really was a terrible mistake of the defender and then when he has the ball like in front of uh, the goalkeeper he shoot and he shoot against the goalkeeper mm -hmm. and the, the when uh, the, the ball was t uh, touching the, the, the body of, um, of the goalkeeper the re rebound come on, come on. the rebound the rebound touch also the, the defender so everybody was playing for Avila team yeah. in that moment you know everybody was like giving the uh, just give like uh, the, the the opportunity to score. Really, he's not like something he moves like in terms like with a lot of skills to to have a clear situation of goal. You know, like for me, it's, it's a really limited mm -hmm. player. But no? in, in a side with somebody, I don't want to keep saying it, but like a, Alexis McAllister, who does provide great service when Salvio's back fit, and in that system. What you want from a centre forward is a right place, right time kind of guy, not a guy that's going to create it all himself because it's the five men sat behind him that are going to be there to create the quality for him in the end. Yeah. I mean, I get it. as you said, it's just an Alfaro kind of guy, basically, yeah. in this Libertadores. It's the perfect yeah. centre forward if he can get on the end of stuff and, and find the back of the net, which he's started to do and cause more problems for defences in the last few weeks. He also started, Carlos Tevez played really well. Like, I haven't seen Tevez look like that. Looks slim. He played, mm -hmm. I thought he was really, really deep. Mm -hmm. He was playing really, really deep, yeah. but really impressive. Okay, so Boca, 0-0 at La Bombonera against Liga de Quito. Through to the semifinals of the 2019 Libertadores. Yeah. And they will play... Um, oh, it's this other small team from Buenos Aires, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, a somewhere. team from the second division. <laughs> <laughs> back to our league. 
<laughs> I mean, it could have easily been Sarah Patenio after yeah, what we saw yeah. in the week, but so, is River Plate going through? It was 1 1 on the night, and you people might you might look at it like Nico, you've been away, and you'll look at it and think, ah, oh, River 1 3 1 on aggregate against Sarah Patenio. It was nice and easy. Uh, the first leg at the Monumental was 2 uh, yeah, it was 2-0. But in the second, in the second leg, uh, Nelson Haider-Valdez, you know, who played in Europe a little bit, um, the, I think he's 35 now, yeah. scored after eight minutes. And, like, Sarah Portenio Stadium was on fire, like, really, really rocking. And River looked nervous. Almost literally on fire, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a lot of fireworks. <laughs> they looked really, really nervous. Um, but Nico De La Cruz scored a great goal in the second half, and... Um, uh, yeah, River River went through really easily. After Nico De La Cruz scored, it was really easy for River. And there's a, it was, Nico De La Cruz had a bizarre week. I don't know whether you read yeah, the story. Yeah, he has a problem because uh, like two years ago, he was playing like uh, World Cup, no? U20 or, or qualified yeah, yeah, for U20. Yeah. And he has like he had like a issue with one police guy. Yeah. And well, that's the reason they went uh, before. Well, as soon as the River play arrived to Paraguay, he went to the... Uh, I think for to 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 declare. I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, it was from what I could read. It was quite a ridiculous situation, right? Like Nico de la Cruz, River player, uh, River arrive in Asuncion, Mm -hmm. and then he gets arrested for something that happened two years ago. And I guess the Paraguayan police were were waiting for him to arrive. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he got released on bail and. Scored the goal. There's nothing fishy about it in any way, no, shape, no, or no, form, no, no, obviously. But, but you know, you're missing something because now we're talking about the second leg. But in the first leg, it really, the bar helps a lot to replace. But so, correctly. I'm not very sure about that. Really. Actually, Oli, the, the, yeah? I mean, we're going back in time. Yeah. We're going back in time a little bit, but the, you mean the first one? The uh, first penalty when Nico de la Cruz, on Nico de la Cruz gets caught, and I, I did say, I'm not sure that that's a penalty. But, but There's that, contact. But that's so. the thing when you're not sure, everything's going to real play. <laughs> 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 it's like nothing in the when something's going to the middle is going all all the time is going to real play. It's not like okay, one time we're going, we give like a little advantage to the other team, Cerro Porteño, or like in our case when we happened that issue when when the, um, this problem when we went with the stadium to, with with the bus in the second final of uh, the Libertadores of the previous, the last year. Not so, holding a grudge in any way, are you, over that? Yeah, no? <laughs> well, but you know, like, we, it's, it's complicated to, to play against River Plate. I just want to talk about um, what Marcelo Gachado wears, mm-hmm. he, what he wears, his clothes. Because River against Tacheras in the Argentine Super League, yeah? Mm-hmm. And Marcelo Gachado is wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Like, he's wearing a hoodie. Yeah. And in the Libertadores, he looks like a million dollars. He's wearing like a three thousand dollar suit and this yeah. kind of thing. So River lose against Tacheras at the weekend in the Superliga. Marcelo Gachado doesn't care about the Superliga. Fair? Yeah. Because I mean, he has an incredible record in the Libertadores. He's won it twice. Like yeah. unbelievable coach, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But but it just it, it, like what he wears does completely reflect the mentality that's shown in his team. I mean, you should. They can't. River can't lose at home to Tacheras if they want to win the Argentine Superliga. Well, every single person picked up on Ogachado's in a hoodie the moment he walked out for that Superliga game. Yeah. Every single like media outlets and every person that I was kind of speaking to on that evening, the first real comment was when the teams walked out, oh, Gachado's in a hoodie. He obviously doesn't care. So if everybody else on the planet is seeing that, 
it's a hundred percent that the eleven men going out onto the pitch are yeah. seeing that. But does that not also put a wonderful weight of expectation on the Libertadores? Like, okay, this is game time now, which it's, I actually quite like. Well, it's the obsession, I suppose. So it's all or nothing. And I think also for Gachado, I guess he realises that he wants to move to a big European club one day. Yeah. And he can win 10 Argentine Super Leaguers in a row and really no one in Europe will care. But if you win Libertadores and he's won two, if he can win a third Libertadores, then for sure like he could go to Paris Saint-Germain or... I say them because he played in France and he speaks French. I don't think he speaks English, but he spent a year in America, maybe. Well, he, he used to play in France, so that's the reason he play. He speaks French, and he has like a great connection with Monaco. He left a very good image of when he played like more than five years in that yeah. team. So, um, but yeah, really, I really respect Gallardo because really. Uh, I I I I'm, I'm not blind, you know. I don't know. I don't want it to be like a super fan, Boca Juniors fan and things like everything That's was coming. already done. Oh really? <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well, no, but, but you can. I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, like I I really have to to say like he was he he did really a great job with the with the team like how he put like the the winner mentality mm-hmm. on the on the players, but. Uh, Really, the attitude he has, like, what, what you talk about, like, uh, like to wear like a hoodie yeah. in the <laughs> stadium. So, really, I, if I'm a player of Tacheres uh, and it's uh, well, this guy who scored, I'm gonna go straight to this guy and scream the goal in the face of this guy because he was like with a hoodie grabbing a, a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know, like. What the? Okay. He's so, planning for the Libertadores next yeah, week. Yeah, he was like, like hang out like there, just to like in a relaxing time. So I, I feel so like, so unrespectful. He was against, not with the players or with the with the fans, because you know, for for the River fans, everybody loves him, and well, the players as well. But for the other team, for me, it was so unrespectful, really. I hope this guy this uh, Sunday is going with a hoodie and, uh, and, I don't know, Tevez or, or I don't know, uh, Soldano now, or Soldano Hurtado, now we don't know which one is going to be our striker. Score and go straight to this guy and say, okay, dude, put your hoodie back now and drink a coffee. Don't worry. You don't want to sound like a Boca super fan, though, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. No, I know. (laughs) But I guess for Cachado, he, like, as long as he keeps delivering in the Libertadores, he doesn't care. River fans don't care. They love him and and Mm -hmm. it works. And um, yeah, that was a difficult tie against Serra Portenio. Serra Portenio scoring first. It looked really, River looked really nervous, but. Nico de la Cruz, who I've always liked, and I know River fans—they don't—they weren't sure about Nico de la Cruz, but he's like he's got loads of ability, really, really good player. But you know, with so many players, Rivers supporter, River fans didn't really because, and and this is one of the things I really appreciate. Well, appreciate. No, I really not appreciate. I, I really respect from uh, from Gachardo because is in terms of that is I, I I I can take like a, so many similitudes similitudes with the uh, with Simili- sim, uh, like similarities kind of similarities. Yeah. Sorry for that. Nice try. Uh, with, uh, yeah. I try. I'll try. I've with uh, Carlos Bianchi, you know, he was trying and you know he took the like the same play. 
the same case happened with De La Cruz because when he just signed was a terrible player no, he didn't fit very well in the team but he given like another chance another opportunity uh, Gonzalo Martinez the PT Martinez mm-hmm. the same was like years and years of trying and he never find this, the place in the, in the team and then well now he now now well now we know because he's, he's playing in um, in a US uh, soccer league but uh, he left like a national hero for River Plate, the same as Milton Casco. So, so many players are starting really bad. And then with the Gachado trust in these players and then turn into heroes, you know, for River Plate fans. Yeah, it's really interesting talking to River fans about exactly what. You know, when a coach is really good, you want to know exactly why they're really good. And it's these two things that always come up. One is the ability to improve players, which should be a really obvious thing. You know, a coach should improve players, but it's this. And also his ability to change things tactically in the big moments. And people always say as well, he's kind of a lucky coach, but as a com- in a complimentary way, you know, like he's lucky. So the big things just go his way so often. That, uh, yeah, I mean, tactically, he's... I, I don't think nothing's coming for lack. Like, no, but you know what I mean? Like, in yeah, the... Yeah, in yeah. the People are kind of... They say he's a lucky coach in the sense that the really big moments in the really big games often go River's way, and there's nothing lucky about it. It's yeah, to do with tactics, and mm-hmm. the substitution's always correct. But River 1-1 on the night in Asuncion, and, uh, and River go through 3-1 on aggregate to reach... The semi-finals. What did he change? Just out of interest, did, or did you notice a change no. watching that game? Because they were under pressure for that first sure, half, sure. all over the place at the back, and there was a moment where you thought they might end up ballsing this up away from home. No, and abs- there was a great. There definitely was. Carrizo had a great chance. I was talking more generally, like in the in the kind of macro of how he sure. how he's been successful over the years. But was but, there anything you could notice? In well, that play? Nico Della Cruz in the interview immediately afterwards, the first question that got asked to him was, "What did Gachado say at halftime?" And Nico Della Cruz said second balls we have to win the second balls we're not winning the second balls and like and then <laughs> scores from the second yeah ball. and he scores from the second ball like it's an obvious thing to say and it's not that's not genius yeah, yeah. but you know the, someone asked Nico Della Cruz what's the one thing I should have said and he said you've got to win the second balls and uh yeah and and as soon as Nico Della Cruz scored the the, the tie was over and uh it's interesting I uh, reading about Sarah Portenio's history and they've never they never won the Libertadores, but they have competed like 40 times in like mm-hmm. six, seven, eight semifinals. So. Mm-hmm. But River are through, and it is a super classico semifinal in the Libertadores. This is what Boca fans wanted, right? Yeah. Revenge. We, we were waiting for this moment. Uh, as I mentioned before, you know, like uh, in the beginning of this uh, comment, like as soon as we pass the group, we, we start making like like our in which stage we're gonna meet again we're gonna play against uh, river play again you know like so um, yeah this is the time is now <laughs> and i mean there's so much to say about the super classico semi-final but first of all do you think it's definitely going to be played in buenos aires and and it, because it, and the other thing to say is that the second leg kind of clashes with the presidential elections in the city so how does Buenos Aires as a city balance these two things? I mean, you're, not, you're I don't know, Nico, if you've got the answers. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, now our bus, like uh, the Boca, Ju Boca Juniors bus, is anti-bullet. <laughs> so, and <laughs> bulletproof. Sorry. So the, in terms of that, we we okay. have we so we are ready for that. So after that, I don't know what is going to happen, you know. But uh, I hope uh, this time we can play both games in in each stadium, you know. Like I don't want to go to Madrid or to Kuala Lumpur to see uh, Boca Juniors playing and real play like so so unusually and so unrespectful to be honest but is it's the question we've continually asked I guess on the podcast a few times but it, is Argentina prepared for that clash of not just Boca River but then I mean the political climate as well and it coinciding with the elections it's a huge week that which could be quite dramatic both kind of in the political tide and on the streets potentially I mean th it, there is a thought process that it has to be changed from the, the original dates that are the so the, the second and first and second and 22nd and 23rd of that's October. right yeah but but is it also because in Buenos Aires and Argentina football and politics are so intrinsically linked like we were, we were talking a little bit before the pod about uh Boca presidents and you know it, it's Football and politics are so linked in Buenos Aires that isn't maybe the case. It's certainly not the case in England. Like I know in Spain it is a little bit, but it's because of this, really. Yeah, it is. It is. It is uh, really linked, and I, I think it's going to be a terrible week. Right? It's going to be a terrible month for for all of us. To be honest, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> to how it's going to be, and uh, uh, but I hope uh, really we will prepare because really is. When when this thing happened last year, we were we were like the news for worldwide. Everybody knows like this conflict, and it, it wasn't like a really black page of our history, you know, to show the world how how we are not prepared to to host like a final of the international football game, you know, like it's. Uh, so I hope this time everything's changing and really we can have like a game in peace, you know. But there is that other factor as well that has been mentioned a bit of. Argentina, because of the game being moved to Madrid last year, it meant that they were desperate to have the Copa America here that's coming up next year and they have to split it with Colombia. But if the reputation of security around football gets tarnished again, that's another huge blow to the reputation of the Argentinian Football Federation. But I mean, the knock-on effects of a football game in culture, in politics, in football, it's an awful perfect storm if you will all coming together but it's also great for the fans well this is it I mean inevitably people are going to talk about the negatives and the what ifs and this could happen this could happen uh, you know and, and it's not like Argentina and Buenos Aires is the only country this you know if, if Galatasaray play Fenerbahce or you know Liverpool play, play Manchester United in a Champions League final there's going to be problems mm -hmm. but um, I just think from a pure football point of view it's just so fantastic like there's so there's so many stories around it and the fact that this we were talking last week about what's the greatest football city right and and you'd have to say really that you know Milan Liverpool Buenos Aires is like potentially the greatest football city in the world when you think of the concentration of clubs you think of the pure football rivalry and Boca River in a semi-final and, and wow it's amazing and, and especially in the last uh, I can tell like 
the last six years. Yeah. Like Boca and River, uh, they crossed so many times in, in these uh, international games, you know? Like we started like the first crossing in the last five years was with the Sudamericana, and then we played Libertadores, Libertadores again, now the final. So it, it wasn't so many crossing, and the levels of both teams are quite similar, no? Because back in the 90s, like River play, used, well, he won the Libertadores Cup, and, and he has like a great team, you know? It was like, you can see like River was one or two steps over us, you know, like over Boca Juniors. And then back in the 2000, like 2000, 2000 2001, 2005, Boca was like two stage, two, two steps over River Plate. So in nowadays, like, it's so complicated. It's like everything is a little more balanced. And it's not usual. It's not like... Um, like uh, something random like River and Boca against are in the final stage of the International mm -hmm. Cup. Like it's not like, okay, they, they play two games well and then it was lucky. No, no, really, these two, two teams are make like a really good performance to reach this stage of the tournament. Do they make each other better? We, we talk a lot about other sports in the, you know, the rivalry of Federer, Nadal and Djokovic means that we're blessed with all three of the arguably the greatest tennis players of all time. We talk about the rivalry of Messi and Ronaldo, and although it's all smiles now after they're apparently best friends at the UEFA awards, awards this week, but their rivalry made each one of them a better player because of it. The Boca and River, at this point in time especially, just help each other improve because they always want to get the better of each other. Um... Yeah, well, yes. I, I think, like, uh, also they found, like, a very good, um, in terms of, like, uh, I don't know how to say, like, like, like uh, they found, like, a very good uh, commercial way, like, economic way. As a business. Know, they a business, work well, that's yeah. what I want to say. Yeah, because really, like, this is a game is watching any in any part of the world, you know, like, uh, I think, like, it's... When, when River and Boca play the final, I have friends from Slovenia, from friends from Canada, friends from France, friends from England, like everybody, says, everybody was asking me like, hey, your team is in the final. And like 10 Can years you get ago, me a ticket? yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have one friend who, when the, the final was playing in Spain, he moved from Slovenia to watch this game, you know, like it was something, uh, they found like a really really good yeah. business in terms of that and I think like it's, it's, um, it's something well it, it better for, for this tournament I was just going to ask now the semi-finals are decided and you know it's Boca River how many people have contacted you to ask you if you can get them a ticket for the game in La Bombonera which is the second like the first one's in the Monumental yeah, yeah. yeah. so have you had a lot of WhatsApp messages could you believe it as soon as the referee say make like the the he the he signed was exactly he just one guy from Chile he said hey I'm gonna go to Buenos Aires you have one ticket ready unbelievable but really did like, you say ninety thousand pesos and it's uh, well, no I I, I was grab my mobile phone I just make numbers and say like oh, okay now what I I'm not thinking anymore in pesos I'm thinking dollars or euros <laughs> now the um the beer this evening does cost by the way so if you want to repay the cost of the beer with maybe a ticket I'll happily you know I'll tell you that <laughs> but it's gonna be I mean it's gonna be unbelievable absolutely unbelievable and you're gonna be there I guess Nico 
Third week of October. It depends uh, how much money one Chinese guy wants to pay or Russian or one guy from Dubai pay. Well, I'm going to give my seat, no problem. I can okay, so let, let's, no, let, let's, let's be real about this. You're, you're a Boca, your whole family Boca fans. Yeah. You're members of the club. Yeah. It's a huge game, but every person has a price. So what would you sell your ticket for? Get, and I want a number. I'm going to give my number, my email. <laughs> Everybody who's uh, listened to this podcast, please contact me. But uh, to be honest, yeah, it's going to be over a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Over a thousand. Oh, over a thousand. Yeah, yeah by, by, for sure. Because uh, always I, I give the. Th that's the reason. And n not only me, I was talking with a couple of friends who always went together to the stadium and says sometimes we, we give the, the tickets for for someone because sometimes we cannot go to the stadium and, and we, we give our tickets to someone else and sometimes the prices is, of course, all the time the prices is in pesos, but in terms of this situation, really, the people is moving from all around the world who is a really fan of, the, of these lovely sports, really, it's coming all around the world to watch this game. It's something unique. Yeah, the first leg at the Monumental on the 1st of October and the second leg in La Bombonera. But yeah, I mean, we, we've kind of, I think we talked a, a lot about the Super Classico, but uh, yeah, from a pure footballing rivalry, it's going to be absolutely amazing. So it's, a, it's a kind of a shame that we haven't had the perfect Libertadores semi final set up because we were praying that it would be the Gremio against uh, Internacional on the other side of the draw, Porto the Porto Alegre derby, mm -hmm. which then you've got two giant derbies going into then. A couple of Tadores final of Argentina against Brazil. I mean, that sets it up perfectly. We're still going to have Argentina against Brazil in the final, but Flamengo or Gremio, as an Argentinian football fan, you're probably hoping Gremio are the side to go through in that other semi final, I take it. Yeah, yeah, they will. Yes, yeah, so Gremio, uh, Gremio got through against Palmeiras over two legs. Uh, this was a this was a real surprise, you could say. Palmeiras went to Gremio and won 1-0, got the away goal and a really, really kind of defensively strong side under Felipe Scolari. Mm -hmm. uh, but then Gremio at home, they scored first in the, in the second leg. Um, yeah, they scored first through Luis Adriano. And then, pa and then Gremio had five minutes that completely changed the tie. And basically Everton, I don't know if you see much of him, Nico, in, in this tournament, but he's really strongly linked to, to move to England and other big European clubs. He's playing in a national team in Brazil. Sure, the, the yeah, sure, sure. And he had a great Copa America, yeah. yeah and, uh, but he, he's not great all the time, but when he's great, I mean, the first goal to make it 1-1 one, one on the night is, is, is fabulous, I think. I mean, I know you enjoyed it, Oli, as well. It's, it's just a long ball over the top. I did... <laughs> Not yeah, to be, free kick not to to be him, yeah. overly critical, but when I saw it again a couple of times, I have to say that Marcos Rocha, who's marking him as the ball comes in, stands there and lets him walk to the back post unguarded. And I know that's probably being hypercritical sure. and takes nothing away from the finish from Everton because it's a side foot volley from about five yards on an acute angle from the goal that he's able to lift into the far top corner over the keeper out of hand's reach and beat him it, it's an inch perfect finish and the way he takes it is so calm and composed when other forwards would probably try and rush it or put their foot through it or think I need to pull it back across goal and instead he's like no I can see the opportunity and it's a very casual side foot into the far top corner 
the defending's atrocious, but Everton had a wonderful game. And as you say, then created the second as well. He didn't get them out of the match amazingly, but his darting run through four defenders, four green shirts around the top of the 18-yard box, just cut Palmeiras in two. And there was this moment of shell shock where a game that, I mean, we went sneaky big last week that Palmeiras with a 1-0 win away from home had probably done enough to then go back home and home in inverted commas, Windsor, sure. that you were <laughs> well, ridiculous, discussing yeah. about. Um, and, yeah, get, could... and, and get a victory. And instead, they, they got caught off guard for five, six minutes in this game and then never really recovered from it. And there, there are so many factors taking place, but it's so unscolari like It's so the exact opposite of what we were cooing about him for being tactically adept and being able to change a game. And actually, his tactics on the night, Tim Vickery was saying straight after the game, were poor and, and took away the best attacking threat that Palmeiras had in the second half when he tried to change the game. And Gremio, it seemed, kind of deserved to go through in the end on the night. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just showing Nico, actually, the Everton goal. You can see it's, it's, it's a tight angle and it's, yeah, it's a lovely goal. Like, he's unmarked, but it's really nice. And then, like, five minutes later, he, he has this kind of run, run through the heart of the Palmeiras defence. And as you say, it's really unexpected. Oli Palmeiras got the away goal. They, they led at home. The fact they weren't playing at their home ground is just ridiculous because they'd rented it out uh, for a music concert to be played there, which is crazy. And, uh, yeah, listen... Gremio's performance in the Libertadores in recent years, they won it in 2017, they reached the semi-finals last year, and they're not, they're not like Flamengo or Palmeiras, right? They're a smaller club, um, so incredible. This is Everton's run, and uh, yeah, and then Allison taps at home, and, and it finished 2-1 on the night to, to Gremio, they go through and away goals. And, and but, but Grêmio keep the same line lineup uh, pretty much like uh, in 2017, no? When they won the, it's the same group of players, yeah. The same group. It's only one player is not is moving to Barcelona. Which one is the the name? The middle field, I think. I you, can't remember. Yeah, I think this guy straight when as soon as they play the the end of the. Um, the international, the FIFA World Cup, uh, World Cup uh, club. Uh, the FIFA Club World Cup, um, he finished and he moved to Barcelona. I don't know which one is the name of this guy, but the rest of the players are pretty much the same one. So I think really the key to, to, to get like a very success team is, is exactly what he's doing now River Play. If you check the lineup of River Play, Compare like the last year, or, or the, 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 the are pretty much the same players who play the final. It's only two different play, two two substitutions have. Like one is Maidana, and the other one is uh, Piti Martinez. The rest is exactly the same lineup. And and, and, and sorry, and and uh, Gremio is pretty much doing the same. It's it's so hard nowadays to keep the same lineup in South America, and especially in Argentina, you know, because with with a currency exchange. Yeah, of course, and the, the good players leave for Europe or the MLS now increasingly. But it also raises the point of kind of more consistency now in the Libertadores. Like three of the semi-finalists this year were in the semi-finals last year, right? Like uh, Boca, uh, River and Gremio. So, um, you know, there's a kind of consistency factor there. The big surprise, well, actually, it's not a surprise because Flamenco invests a lot of money in the players. They come in a lot of players from Europe. And that's the reason Flamenco now is, now is in, this, in this stage of the tournament, you know? That and, and Jorge Jesus is a manager who's come in and basically created a wonderful attacking style of football. I mean, the change that he's made since coming in in June for Flamengo, who got past Internacional in a game that 
should have been far more difficult than it was. Internacional approached it tactically terribly. Oder Hellman kept a aging strike force up front when it was crying out for pace, as we said last week. And Nicolas Lopez and Wellington Silva came on in the second half and eventually changed the game and pressured Flamengo a bit more. Internacional got their goal after a very long six-minute VAR check. And then Gabby Goal, after squandering two golden opportunities in the first and early in the second half, eventually gets his goal and puts it away and puts the tie to bed. But there's a European culture that's been brought into Flamengo by Jorge Jesus, by the fact uh, Pablo Mari, the centre-back, has uh, been an excellent defender, the Spaniard from Deportivo La Coruña. You've got Felipe Luis and Rafinha as well at the full-back positions. I mean, there's a number of players that have played in Europe. Gabigol, Gabriel Barbosa is on loan from Inter Milan. That's been a game-changer for them, of unleashing that attacking quality in the side. Yeah, and I mean, people say that they're the best-supported club in Brazil, Flamengo, but they only won one Libertadores in 81. And I know that's got a lot to do with the fact that Brazilian clubs didn't take the Libertadores seriously for many, many decades. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Flamengo coming through against Internacional. Actually, Gabriel Barbosa missed two great chances, right? Before he found yeah. his goal later on. Has one early one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, which is a fantastic save by Marcelo Lomba. And then the second later on in, uh, in the first half. Again, one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, he's got to slide it into the bottom corner. It goes wide of the left-hand post of the keeper. And at that point, you think, oh, it might not be their night, actually. This could suddenly be Gabigol can't score, can't finish, unbelievably. Mm. Maybe Paulo Guerrero against his former club. Because he missed a great one in the first leg as well. Yeah, the Gabriel. swing and a miss when Bruno Enrique played it across the top of the six-yard box. And but his statistics are, you know, great. He's been in great form recently, Gabriel Barbosa. Both in the league and yep. in the in the uh, Copa Libertadores. And they want to sign him permanently. They're top of the Brazilian league now as well. Mm. Palmeiras. Just going back to them, what a disaster they've had since the winter break because they were five points clear at the, going into the Copa America um, and the break in the Brazilian Serie A and. People have said that some were almost saying, well, don't take any more bets on the Brazilian Serie A. Palmeiras are going to win it. It's all done and dusted. Everybody's fighting for the other places. And in, what, a month, two months after the Copa America finishes, they've thrown away a five-point margin at the top of the table and now fourth, I think, at the moment in the Brazilian Serie A. And they've been knocked out of the Copa Libertadores. They've thrown that away as well, I think, in the Libertadores. I mean, credit to Gremio. It's really impressive what they've done. But, listen, they got the away goal. At home, they're 2-0 they're up on aggregate. And and, Felipe Scolari, and they did have chances, to be fair, which they haven't taken. But Felipe Scolari, in, in the second half, Palmeiras just created almost nothing. They had so much good play down the right-hand side in the first half of that uh, second-leg contest. And in the second half, when they needed a goal, just produced absolutely nothing. So, I mean, the pressure will already be on Felipe Scolari, you'd imagine. So it will be a Gremio-Flamengo semi-final. Which you would argue favours Flamengo quite nicely because of the money they've got, the attacking prowess they've got. And I'm still convinced that Gremio are kind of a one-trick pony with uh, Everton and Alisson down the flanks are the mm. best attacking threats that they've got and they don't have a centre forward. So, and Flamengo have got a very organised defence too. Flamengo, uh, they're fun to watch, Flamengo. Fun, which you can't say about every side in the Libertadores this year, including Boca. Like, they're not fun to watch from a neutral, but Flamengo are a fun side to watch. Uh, really attacking, really exciting. They should be because they spent a load of money. Uh, but yeah, they're really good to watch. And as you say, they've got the European European coach, European flavour to their side. It means sides. more to Flamengo at this point as well. I, the, well, the fans have already booked their tickets to Santiago. The Flamengo really? fans. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
I mean, so comfy, right? they, we kind of they, thought you they would have by now as well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna go if Boca get there. No? Because I, I have like a project to go outside of Buenos Aires at that time, but really for sure if I'm here I'm gonna go straight away to, to, to Chile. But really, I think uh, in case of, uh, if I had to get like a bet from Gremio against Flamengo, I really think Gremio is gonna pass, he's gonna be in the final. You know, I, I think like when you have so, so many stars in the, in the team, yeah, you could like the level of the team in, in, uh, is is uh, improve, you know? Uh, no, improve like uh, yeah, it's like um, it's a, it's a get better quality of, of football and you know well Flamengo as in the last past years he never reached this in this instance mm -hmm. of uh, of the cup, but I think Gremio is a team who keep the same lineup for for almost like four years. And and I think like it's gonna be really tough for Flamengo to beat them. And for me, I'm gonna give one point for Gremio to to be in the in the final. And for the other side, Boca. Well, if I had to think, of course, if I say something with my heart, I'm gonna say of course Boca Juniors. But of course, it's gonna be a really tough game because it's pretty much the same what happened against Gremio and Flamengo you know it's one team win one con like one guy one one team which one is playing for more than five years the same style the same players against another one which one is kind of a brand new team you know mm. and Boca Juniors is pretty much the same situation happened with Flamengo if they uh, sign because Bo Boca's it's a new side right it's whereas River's got the consistency the, if, you, if you compare both teams River and Boca River only missed two players from the final in December and Boca almost like seven. The only two players who, who survived for December for the final in Madrid is Andrada and Izquierdos. Mm -hmm. The rest of the team is a completely new team. So that's the reason I'm a little... If, I had to, if I'm thinking about that, really it's going to be a really tough game for us. But uh, of course, if I say something from my heart, I'm gonna say like Boca Juniors for sure. I, I hope it's, it's in Santiago in the final. Chemistry then over the cash from Nico Windsor. I mean, are you a chemistry man? Do you believe in the not making many uh, I, changes? I or? think I think River are a better side. Um, I think they've got better footballers. But the way Alfaro plays, and I I, I don't think. He seems to me, I mean, I don't know, I haven't been on this continent. Be con careful what you say, because I'm <laughs> next to you, right? <laughs> no, no, I haven't been on this continent so long, right? So I don't know Alfaro's history apart from just reading about it. But it seems to me like he's not a coach that will be forced into doing things he doesn't want to do, right? So if he wants to play against River with five players in the midfield and he wants to leave Tevez and Zarate and De Rossi on the bench and just play a defensive game and try and win 1-0 or 0-0, then, then he's going to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Gachado, especially the first legs at the Monumental, Gachado and River are going to come out and attack, which suits Boca, or certainly suits maybe not Boca, the football club, but it suits Alfaro, the coach. So, I mean, in this... I was kind of talking about the Brazilian side of the draw when I posed that question. But uh, my, sorry, I'm like super classical, super classical, super classical, super classical. So I think every single TV station, <laughs> including ones that aren't dominated by sport, are still all super classical, super classical, super classical. Uh, okay, for the other side of the draw, I think um, from what I've seen, Flamengo are a better side than, than Gremio. Like, it's re really impressive what Gremio have done 
um, you know, winning it in 2017 semi-finals last year, and they only just didn't reach the final. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, I, you know, I think Flamengo are, are a better side. Um, what do you think, Oli? Who's going to the final? It's better for the competition for Flamengo to go through. Because they're more fun to watch. And because you're going to have the biggest side in Brazil against one of the biggest sides sure. in Argentina. Arguably, yeah. there's very little between them in terms of fan base and all that. So that way, yeah. you're going to have arguably the biggest and best of the best from the two South American countries that dislike each other the most. So we're going to have a great... Poor As San- a showpiece, it's... Yeah. Poor Santiago. I mean, <laughs> that city's not going to enjoy that in any way, shape or form. Um, Look, I'm, I'm not on the Flamen- Flamengo bandwagon in the same way, but, uh, yeah, I'm not impressed by Gremio. It, Flamengo should go through this. Not at a canter, not easily, but I think Flamengo will also learn from Palmeiras' mistakes this time because Palmeiras were considered in the same boat as the big money spenders. With the yeah, and I, I don't think Flamengo wanted to play Palmeiras. For sure, Flamengo will be happy they're playing Gremio. Um like, I'm, we're not being disrespectful to Gremio. Like, it's ridiculously impressive what they've done. We, they don't have the money of Flamengo or Palmeiras to get to the semi-finals again. But, I don't know. We will see. Maybe Nico knows best. It could be a different section of the podcast. Nico knows best and he just gives his predictions He for might life. just be doing the podcast on his own. If he gets all of this right and we're completely wrong. Okay, as a Boca fan, let's say you beat River. You're in the final. Who do you want to play? Uh, I prefer to play Flamengo. Why? Because I I still thinking like Gremio is when when the team it's the same situation we happen now with River like what I mentioned before like it's a team who, who knows really well done each other you know like the players know the style they play in like the the coach already has like a few years with this team I think it's gonna be tough and and you know. Uh, when when this situation I have for example Boca score at five minutes of the first half I, I, the first time I hope that happened but like I think these kind of teams can manage the pressure when they know each other really well between the players you know and Flamenco is okay you have a lot of experience with a lot of European players who well South American players who came back from from the to the from Europe to this league but I think they can, it's something, when they don't know each other, this this is the moment when the players start to be a little more nervous, and and this is what it happened, like, for example, when we play against Real Play last year, you know, where we, we score, we, we lead the, the, the game, like, three times, you know? First time when we play in, um, in La Bombonera, we score first, at five minutes later, River score again. Then we score again and River uh, draw the the game. But that's the reason I think like uh, when the team knows each other and they working together for a long time, they they can manage this pressure. So this is a really briefly advantage this team has over Flamengo. So I think like it's the same case like River Plate has this little advantage over us. You know, if if. Uh River or Boca play Flamengo in, in the final. Obviously, Flamengo will bring will fill half the stadium for sure. Yeah, huge fan base across Brazil. And Santiago's not so far away from Buenos Aires, right? Two, three-hour flight. So I guess River or Boca would also fill half their stadium. Um, but do you think there would be any 
Is there any problems? Is there any historical rivalry with either Gremio or Flamengo, or it would all be quite civil? Like, as in, if, if Boca fans and Flamengo fans are drinking in the same bar. South American or, civil. Yeah, but you know. But I mean, it's, it's, it's like, because if, if Liverpool play, uh, you know, another big European, Juventus, Juventus is a bad example, but another big European club, like, it's probably not going to be problems in a European city. Yeah, yeah. The same, same in South America? Well, um, I think first, yeah, definitely it's going to be issues in that, in that case. We're going to be having problems. Think it would be yeah, problem. yeah, because um, it's so complicated just to divide. You, you, you should divide the city in two sizes, you know? Like, you don't have to say, like, the Boca supporters to stay in one side and the Gremio, Flamengo, especially Flamengo. Flamengo are. Rivalry, really. No, but it's rivalry between nations, you know, like in a sport ways, like. Uh, but, it, it, well, it's, it's not even that. I think, like, when you're going to, with your team, to the final, who's next to you or in front of you is your enemy. And you really want it to be them, you know. It's like, it uh, doesn't matter if it's from Paraguay, from Chile, from Brazil. With Brazil, it's like, have extra condiment, you know. And then that terms which one we have our sport rivality, but... But I think, yeah, for sure, uh, something's going to happen. That's the reason Chile should be ready for this big clash. Mercenaries for hire. Buenos Aires, early October and mid-October. Santiago, late November. Please inquire within. Yeah, but I, I, think, I think Buenos Aires... I don't know the city like you do, but I think you, you know the games are coming, right? So the police and the, the authorities know it's going to happen. So... Maybe everything will be a bit more calm. You know, you, you learn the lessons from last year. You know that you know when the games are coming. You know the situation. You provide more police. Everything maybe will it will be okay this year. Well, I hope yeah, but uh, I hope so. But uh, I don't think that it's going to happen because really, like um, uh, for uh, now, because we're talking about this final in, in Santiago. I remember when Boca Juniors play against Palmeiras, the final of the Libertadores in 2000. Uh, it was only a group of, uh, of supporters went to Brazil, and they. I have a friend who went there, and he has a really he has a really hard time with this with the Brazilian supporters. You know, they have to move like uh, with police moving all around the city. You know, like and it was only just a small group because uh, in the Park Antarctica was only for they give like a seat for only probably a thousand or five hundred uh, seats only. So imagine now when you're gonna have like a half a stadium for one side and the half of the stadium to the other side. So it's it's gonna be really hard to manage like this 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 situation. So I don't know how it's gonna be. Well, the the the, the, the time is is gonna tell us how we are ready to to manage like a, a, a final in a neutral uh, field. You know, like as is is gonna be in Santiago this year. Big thanks to Nico for joining us on the podcast. And that is it for the round of eight semifinals left to go. And we'll be back with more Wilson and Windsor Libertadores podcast in a couple of weeks as we get set to preview the games that kick off in early October. Remember, you can find the Wilson and Windsor Libertadores podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, our host 
and Spotify as well. All other good podcast outlets too. Email the show willwinpodcast at gmail.com. That's willwinpodcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us on Twitter. Uh, David is at David T. Windsor. I am O underscore J underscore Wilson. Uh, remember to use the hashtag at Libertadores pod to send us your questions via Twitter. And until the next time, join us again. Take care.